Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Happy New Year, everybody. This is Dr. Wardy. I got my, my brother in wellness, Dr. Nick, here with me. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, Dr. Nick. Good to see you, buddy. It's, it feels like it's been forever. It has been. The holidays <laughs> get long, it kind of seems like sometimes. Oh, it's funny. I feel like I literally, it's like a turtle. I go into my shell and it's nice, I have to admit. It's just being with family and really, it's becoming almost recluse. I know you and I have chatted over Voxer here and there and and I was kind of saying, like, I, I don't even know kind of what's going on in the world around me. <laughs> well, I, and, I, and second to that, man, I'm the same way. You know, the holidays a while back, me and Clarissa decided these aren't going to be stressful times for us. This is when we're going to relax and kind of just like go into our our cave and, and spend time like, you know, like you're speaking to. But it's interesting when I have to step out of my cave and go to work uh, on those in between days off. Uh, man, it's like people this time of year. You know, I just I keep thinking about when I was an athlete and we would play football, and in the fourth quarter, everyone would be raising their hands. Fourth quarter, fourth quarter. It's it's interesting to see how many people struggle by December, mm. almost like they're they're just exhausted. Yeah, like they're trying to pack in and get it all done, and it's it's weird, man. Like I don't see my year like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see that December as an ending, really. I just kind of see it as this ongoing deal and just trying to create balance, right? But, man, I've been putting people together. I'm busy in December. Like, and <laughs> everyone's blown out, man. Their adrenals are blown. Their hypothalamus. Like, their hormones are done. They're well, getting their sick. Immune infections. Too, right? Oh, the immune systems, buddy. Everyone's sick. Like, yeah. so, you know, I think you know, we, we just spoke a little bit about, we wanted to talk about health and wellness trends going into 2020, but just speaking about why, why is everybody that way by the end of the year? And let's just talk a little bit about some of the things I think that people can start implementing into their lifestyles and to start to give some thought of what are these trends and what are some good ones and what do we think, where do we think there may be some value there mm-hmm. for these trends going into 2020? Yeah. I, yeah. And I'd like to just sort of, uh, offer a little insight into how I see my year too. And yeah, I like you don't really see this as, as the launching point. I, I look at my birthday as, as the launching point for a new year. And just because I feel like a lot of stuff comes up for people as, as they get closer to a birthday. And I think a lot of it's unconscious. People don't realize that um, there's definitely a yearly rhythm, um, you know, obviously that goes on when you switch from December to January, but I'm just like you. I, I mean, I think it, it's a time to, kind of sink in and whatnot but it is it's so fascinating to see you know busier you know more people at the gyms you know people jump back into their their health routine so i, I think it's definitely a, an opportune time to, to dive into some of these new health trends you know because if you look back over the, over the decades i can only imagine what a health trend would have looked like 20 30 years ago this oh, um, is where it is now i mean the the pace at which we're learning more about the human body is just unbelievable so yeah. Another thing I would add to that, it's interesting, you and me talk about these um, <clears throat> conventional wisdom, right? The absolute and relative truths. And it kind of seems like the U.S. is finally getting in line with the rest of the world with some of these things that other countries have been doing forever for, for their health and, and lifestyle. And it's new to us for some reason, yeah. you know, so and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But absolutely right, man. Like it's it's just it's it's interesting that how all that how all that works but i think we can bring some light to some really neat things today that will help people kind of get a nice kickstart for their for the new year yeah and when you say that too you know it's the culture we live in in our western culture we're we're constantly looking for proof right We, we need objective data to determine whether or not we should spend more time in an ice bath or go outside and get some sun in the winter right you know so the, the fact that, that we do sort of have to wait for the scientific information to start to validate these things. I mean, we know that some of the earliest biohackers were, were yogis and, you know, the you know, people living in you know, China and had the Chinese medicine principles or India, the Ayurvedic principles or South America and, and, the, and the different, um, you know, indigenous cultures that have survived for millennia using these biohacks of just being human beings and having an internal experience, but also one 
in complement to their surroundings. So uh, it is a funny time or funny situation to see that some of these trends are, are peaking now. And, and But it's also, it's beautiful because they're such important ones. So it is good know. to shine some light on them. Yeah, huge, man. So let's start with the first one. And we're not going to go in on particularly any order. Me and Nick are going to kind of bounce back and talk about one. But one of the first ones I have at the top of my list, man, is mental health. Mm, yeah. And I think this is a huge one. And I'm going to go on the dark side for a second. So for our listeners, uh, bear with me for a second. But this is so needed by everybody. Um, I think there's a huge lack in people understanding that they need to take care of this. That this is a big part of their health. Um, you look at the way the world is right, right now and the mass shootings and anxiety and depression on the rise for people. I mean, just all these mental health disorders just exploding from toxicity. You talk about, you know, we have all these kids that are suffering from these broad spectrum autism disorders. Like there's so much there just to mental health. But even on the lighter end, so now I'm going to take you guys on the lighter side of this is just a daily thing. What are you feeding your brain? Like, what are you putting in? You know, we talk about filling that cup every day and like with social media and TV and news and all this stuff that we're constantly scrolling through. Like, what are you feeding yourself and how is that affecting your mental health on a daily basis? Yeah, you know, it's it's such an important conversation because it's kind of like the, the bold frog mechanism. We're just keep slowly adapting to the chronic state of stress that we're in and and the fact that we can have open conversations about things and talk about the dark side of mental health uh it's it's really important because at the same time like you know uh what was it uh, one of the yogis at men men's camp was really talking about the opposite and equal uh reaction any sort of force applied you're gonna get the equal and opposite reaction like so you've got gravity and levity so just as there's this awakening to understanding there's this more awareness going into the dark side of, you know, uh, what's hidden in their closet with anxiety, depression, or, you know, more serious mental disorders or whatnot. But also uh, opposing this force is there's a massive movement and awakening, you know, uh, another one of the things on the list here is like a health retreat, you know, which is what, you know, you and I set up and we're going on. Um, you know, there's this, there's this force being applied, uh, the teaching that Dr. Dr. Joe Dispenza is doing and, I mean, there's so many people in this area that are really giving hope to, to these people that are stuck in, in this reality of, of the darkness and mental health. So um, I'm glad that it's getting more focus. And as we as health practitioners realize the power that we have in our brain and ability to adapt to our stress response and our resiliency with the different life circumstances we're facing are really what sets... Um, uh, sets up our coping mechanisms and our strategies for for real wellness and health so it's a, it's a really big one well and i love how you talk about those opposing forces because it's so true i feel like it was just the world's in need and the people are stepping up you know and, and it's so needed on so many levels like we're talking and we could probably go on a whole episode which we probably will do in the future because i think mental health would be a really good episode but yeah that's a big one everyone uh it's something just to look at and think about what are you doing to address your mental health from that, that positive perspective? Are you implementing things in your lifestyle? And so many things play into this. Um, just to spit off, like diet plays into mental health, right? Uh, toxicity, uh, if you're not doing well up there, it could be hormones. So all these things play massive uh, roles in our health, but you got to find your kinks, right? We talk about finding those kinks in the armor of like what is, a prop what is primarily affecting you? You know, and I think a lot of people, brain fog is a big one, man. You know, we're not functioning as well as we used to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought some, some tools to highlight because, you know, in this, in this day and age that we live, uh, when we look at, you know, treating an illness, you, you treat cardiovascular disease, you look at, you know, cholesterol medications, statin drugs and things like that. We're, we're so hyper-focused and, and part of this dialogue, uh, these health trends are really like stepping back and looking at the whole person. You know, someone can have chronic anxiety depression because of they've got really poor digestive function and, and imbalance in their microbiome that's you know affecting mood and energy and just brain energy so you know you have to get as specific as you can uh for you and I mean, there's something that uh dave asprey actually mentioned in one of his uh his latest book superhuman and he said he's he's okay doing multiple things at once you know in the world that we live in trying to like 
get as microscopic as possible to find out the thing that's going to make this effect. He said, that's what researchers are for. They can spend decades looking at one pathway and trying to figure out that one pathway. But while they're doing that, I'm going to, you know, get into a cold shower. I'm going to do some detox. I'm going to look at and see if there's heavy metals. I'm going to fix my gut microbiome. I'm going to try out these five supplements. I'm going to do all these things and whatever moves the needle together, you know, in this, in this, cohesive force is what I'm going to put my attention on because I don't have time to just look at one thing. <laughs> and I love that discussion because when we're looking at mental health, it's not. And that's why like the needle on mental health hasn't really moved a whole lot over the last, you know, 20, 50, 20, 30, 40, 50 years is because we, we we're trying to isolate the one thing that's going to make the difference. And that's, that goes for cancer research, cardiovascular research, um, you know, you name it. I mean, some of the biggest known reasons for mortality, or the the biggest cause of mortality, is 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 uh, pharmaceutical induced, you know, uh, drug use. You know, of the different prescription medications that aren't hitting the hammer on that nail as effectively as it needs to, because it's not just one thing. Buddy, so well said. And for our listeners, think about use your common sense. If you're not doing the essentials of giving your body what it needs as a human being, do you really think a pill that the doctor hands you when you have anxiety or depression is going to make you any better? I mean, you really got to think about these things. So, you know, just, just give it some, give it its weight. All right, let's move on, Matt. What do you got on your list? Yeah, well, it kind of ties in. It's just a little bit more physically focused. And, and one of these trends that I was looking up here was recovery focused training. You, know, you and I are both, you know, we both played varsity uh, ball. You played football. I played basketball. Everything was about how hard can you hit the gym? You know, how many hours did you spend in the gym? What did you do to, to work on that specific body part? Did you, you know, there's so much focus about the doing. And I love that there's starting to be more dialogue on the recovery because that's where a lot of the, the rebuilding and the rewiring and, and all this comes together. And especially with, you know, the work that you do with NIS and seeing, what it takes to have a, have a proper environment for recovery to, be, to, to show up in someone's body. So it, it's really tied, it's tied to mental health too, but really recovery focused training is, is, uh, is what we need to look into. Well, and you're so right. I mean, I was, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was, I was that guy of like, do more, do more, do more. That's how I'm going to get the growth I'm looking for. Right. And I think everybody learns really quick that that's not the answer. And, you know, I read a book about two years ago, maybe three years ago now. And it was the, the big theme that this guy kept talking about. And he had studied all these elite athletes and, and, and business people that have, you know, these amazing working brains and can constantly just go, go, go. He learned from each individual. There was one thing in common. And he said it was their intentional recovery periods of what they would set up for themselves while they were training for whatever it may be, or they were getting ready for something. So the, the concept there is stress plus rest equals growth. And what people need to understand about this is when you want growth, whether it's physically in your body from exercise or let's say even for the brain or whatever it may be, there has to be recovery and rest periods because that's when the growth takes place. It doesn't take place by you putting more stress on the system and I think so many people are guilty of not understanding this concept. It's just go, 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 go. I do more and it'll just pay off for me. And your bodies aren't built like that. <clears throat> Hormonally, we're not built like that. And and everyone finds out, I think, pretty quickly that there's a dead end when, when they're doing that. So, you know, that was a big thing for me and growth for me physically for my body when I when I started to learn that. And honestly, I'm on the complete other end of the spectrum now, man. I used to do like six training days a week and, and I mean, just ridiculous, right? And now I'm like at three days a week, man. And I have a better physique now. I recover better. I don't hurt. Like I feel better now closer to 40 than I did in my late 20, early 30s just because I learned that concept of how important recovery is mm -hmm. uh, and focusing on when we do that, Yeah. right? Like knowing when to and i think some people are still stuck in the paradigm especially like let's talk about this in regards to weight loss i mean how many people are running you know in their running groups five six seven times a week 
you know, they're, or they're hitting the gym. They're, they're so tired, so burnt out. They're not making any progress in weight loss and getting a, into a better form. That works for some people for a certain period of time, but it doesn't work for everybody all the time. And, you know, so there, there's still populations of people, you know, we see them in our clinics. I know you see them too. Like I'm, I'm hitting the gym six, seven days a week. I'm, I'm, I'm working out so hard. I'm, I'm reducing my calories and it's not working. <laughs> They're still doing it. Yeah. And, and we can laugh because we've been there, you know, we were, oh, yeah. we, we've all been there. Oh yeah. It's just one of those lessons learned. And it's kind of like when you, when you finally learn the lesson, it's like, Oh, you have that epiphany moment. And you're like, Oh, well that makes sense. You know? And so that's a biggie. I think that's a big nugget for everybody right there is understand that recovery plays this massive role in your growth. So if you're not growing, you're not giving yourself enough recovery. Mm-hmm. So you need to start getting a little bit, start to dissect your training programs or whatever it is that you're doing and see, okay, where can I just have more days of recovery? And then, you know, give it a six to eight week period and see what happens. You have nothing to lose by changing your process. So that was a good one, man. Yeah. And, and even just tied to that, like be, be flexible with the types of workouts you're doing. You know, maybe you do yoga a couple days a week. Maybe you do a spin class, which I just tried recently, by the way. And it was pretty amazing. I saw that. How'd you like that, man? It was, it was really cool. I mean, the, the spin, it was all like dark inside and it had this sort of light show going on and you you really got into the zone with the music and i wouldn't do it every day you know i mean a lot of people i think do do spin class daily and it really challenges you from an aerobic perspective but i had a great time it was fun i was like cheering along and screaming and it was fun yeah that's awesome i'm glad you said that man because i literally had a conversation with a patient about that today about the importance of varying your training disciplines I mean, think about it, everybody. You have this amazing machine body, okay? And it's capable of amazing things. And if you're always doing the same type of discipline, so like let's say you go to a CrossFit gym and it's always CrossFit. I promise you there's tons of holes I will, I will punch in your armor of where you have weaknesses because mm-hmm. that's the only type of training you're doing. Or if it's just yoga that you're only doing or yeah. Pilates or whatever it may be, like Nick's saying – you're going to, it's going to be a, a ton more beneficial to figure out, okay, what are maybe two or three things I can cycle throughout my week, you know, that are different, that cover different aspects of my training and my, my, my physical fitness mm-hmm. so that you can become more well-rounded in this, this beautiful machine that needs to get us around and move us forward all day. And honestly, for me, Nick, that was huge for me. I used to be the one discipline guy and mm-hmm. I didn't feel good, man. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started implementing diversity and what I would do with my training that my body felt just a ton better all the time. Yeah. And that's part of the recovery process because you're engaging, you're engaging your brain differently. You're engaging your muscles differently and, and your mood changes as a result of the variation because you had a new experience. It's a novel environment that you're putting yourself in. It's not the same old, same old. So that's huge. What are some of your favorite recovery strategies i mean we got to talk about sleep in there but tell us some of the other stuff that you like to do so you know what's interesting with me i've I've noticed and there's probably three things that stick out right now that i can tell you for recovery that have helped me massively number one and and this is funny people don't think about this but focusing on my sleep and the quality of what i was getting Mm. Okay, now everyone's listening, they're probably thinking, oh yeah, well, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, it is a no-brainer to some degree, but I bet most of you actually don't know what quality of sleep you're getting if you're listening. Because I, I, I have this conversation all the time with my, with my patients. They're like, oh, I sleep great. Like I, I, I sleep all the way through the night. And then I'm like, well, do you wake up rested? Oh, no, no, I'm tired when I get up in the morning. I'm like, okay, well, you're not sleeping well. So just because you're staying in uh, sleep for six to eight hours does not mean you're getting quality sleep, everybody. So I think that would, and we're going to talk about these health devices and all these things in the market because that's on this list. But when I started tracking my sleep with my aura ring and I started to notice that it wasn't where it needed to be, uh, one of the big things that started helping that was knowing when to take time off from my training days. And then also cryotherapy had a huge impact on my sleep patterns. One of the things I noticed is if I would do like a cold immersion shower or even jump in my little tub I have in the backyard after I would train, my sleep would be so good, man. My REM sleep and my deep sleep cycle would be amazing. Mm. 
I mean, massive. So sleep and, and cryotherapy for sure. And honestly, not just because I'm a practitioner, man. NIS had a huge impact on my recovery of my body. And when you really think about it, it's working with your nervous system. So, you know, if you're not connected and integrated and, and, and fully connected, your body's not going to bounce back. It affects everything. It affects your hormones. I mean, there's so many things just from that loss of communication. So, uh, so outside of that, I mean, if I had to just talk about just daily things, it's really your diet. And honestly, also knowing how to play with your eating a little bit. So one of the other things that I implemented this year was carb cycling. And that actually played a big role in my recovery. Huge. Yeah. Was knowing when to load up on carbs on what days when I was training and when not to. So for those of you that like to hit those starchy carbs every day, I'm here to tell you, like, that's not going to work out in your favor for recovery. You've got to know when to have some of those starchy carb load days and then when to lay off and to go to more of a low carb day. And, and do more of maybe uh, higher fat type stuff. But yeah, I mean, so there's a, there's a few things, man, but those are probably, I would tell you for me, have had the biggest impact on recovery. Yeah. And one last thing, just cause we got the new toy and I know you've used it for a number of years, rapid release, the, oh. the fascia, right? Yes, buddy. Yes. System to all your muscles for recovery and repair, you got to release the fascia. Well, and, to, and just to speak to that a little bit, you know, Nick just got his, his rapid release. So I'm sure that thing's getting a lot of use okay. and I've been using mine for a couple of years. Amazing tool. Uh, if you haven't heard of this thing, go check it out. Maybe find a doctor that has one, but, um, you're right, man. I mean, so many people, I don't, I think there's, there's missed uh, training sessions or days of exercise because of soreness and uh, a little bit of pain, maybe discomfort, range of motion issues. And it's literally just because the fascia is all, it's all knotted up. So you, you blast through that with the, the rapid release or some of these other devices, man. And it almost like just gives you the new body to go into that next session to get another training day in. So for sure, man, that does help massively with recovery as well. I got, I got to tell you a quick story on this. I, so my mom's staying with us right now because as you know, we're setting up our longevity lab, which has all our cool biohacking tools. And we've been putting her in the hyperbaric chamber every day. And uh, I saw so her hand. You can't see this if you're listening to the audio. Her hand that's on the paralyzed side or left side of her body stays like this. And, and I'm showing a fist. Mm -hmm. So, she, and she can't, she doesn't have movement, right? So nothing's releasing. So I did one session. Uh, I released through the, the shoulder, through the scap, through the, um, the teres, the whole area of the shoulder, and then down the bicep, the tricep, forearm and whatnot. I got into her hand and then what magically happened is her, her like pinkies came out. Her, her like her ring finger came out. Her, her forefinger came out. Now when she stands, like if before when she stood, she stood like this. Like the hand was completely contracted. And this happens when you're not moving something, right? It just contracts. So now when she stands, her, it's just her middle finger. She's kind of like this. Like that was one session of releasing her fascia. She still doesn't have the movement there, but I mean, I was just blown away. Her fascia has been so rigid, so constricted for, for like four years now because of that atrophy of the muscles and not using them. I mean, blew me away just to show that connectivity of the fascia and, and, and why it's so important in recovery. Well, and they, you know, they use the rapid release for a lot of people that are paralyzed because they're bedridden. And so they'll just go in and blast them with a rapid release. And it's almost like getting that, that physical therapy of just getting yeah. the movement in your joints and your muscles every day. And it does wonders, man. So absolutely. You need to keep hitting your mom with that thing over and over and over. While yeah, you're over really, there. Yeah, yeah for sure. Posted. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Cool. Man. Your turn, bud. All right. So I think we should move on since we were talking about this. And so we'll move on to two here. I think you mentioned the primal movement, which I do want to talk about. But since we're talking about recovery, why don't we talk about all these like smart devices these days mm -hmm. and measuring baselines and what are the important ones that we actually need to be looking at to help us with our health? Because I'm a big advocate for this and I know you are. Uh, you and me both wear aura rings. We're always tracking baselines. We track HRV. We're looking at our sleep. Uh, the beautiful thing about the Aura Ring is it tells us recovery. It's going to tell us what we call a readiness yeah. uh, number for the day. But there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a Fitbit. There's a Woot Band. And there's probably a whole lot more I don't even know the names of. But... Um, and, you know, me and Nick like the aura ring. Uh, I like it because it just doesn't get in the way. I can wear it as my wedding ring and, and it gives us such good, accurate information. Um, but Nick, what would you say are probably the biggest things that need to be tracked using these devices that are going to give the biggest payoff? 
for people. Yeah, well, just to focus in on the aura ring, I mean, you need to know your your percentage of time you're spending in deep sleep and REM sleep. Uh, I was listening to a recent uh, podcast with uh, the, the doc who wrote Why We Sleep, Dr. Michael Walker, I believe his name is. And he was saying that from a longevity point of view, it's actually REM sleep. Higher amounts of REM sleep have been uh, tied to a higher or better longevity and better results from uh, illness prevention and whatnot. And I thought it was fascinating because my REM is always like I'm a rock star. That's the easiest one for me to increase. And my, my more challenging one is my deep sleep. And since we moved to a new place, um, I think without all the noise pollution of living in the city has had a huge impact on my nervous system. And because and, my deep sleep has been consistently higher. So looking at the ratio of deep and REM sleep, Obviously, tracking your heart rate variability is so important to look at the overall like nervous system tone of the body. Uh, that's those are the, those are the main ones, and then yeah, getting your recovery score. Like, should I hit you know a really hard workout today? Should I you know kind of take it easy because my recovery last night wasn't so great? Um, there's so many applications, and and I love looking at the trends of the aura ring and seeing you know where was I two years ago and and. I just actually looked at it this morning. I'm way better with my stats over the last six months than I was two years ago or three years ago whenever I got this ring. That's I mean, awesome. categorically better. And it's really cool to see that, you know, just over time, you, your body's performance is actually improving because, you know, we're learning and doing more things regularly for ourselves. Uh, so, yeah, I love that one. That one's huge, man. I'm glad that you added that last piece because – what else can you use to measure your nervous system and some other baselines every day and then be able to look back on years later to see if you're making progress with all these yeah. things, you know? Cause I mean, we all have point in time tests that we do when we go to the doctor and we do these different things, right. And everyone's trying to kind of like track their health moving forward and try to be somewhat active, playing an active role there. But I don't think, I think the value of having something daily, that's mm-hmm. able to give you so much information and like you're speaking to it, it's going to help you with recovery of like, when's my next training session? Should I go hard tomorrow? Should I rest? You know, you know, maybe you were planning on doing a hit, a hit workout and you didn't sleep well and your readiness score is super low. Probably not a good idea to go in and do some kind of CrossFit or hit type exercise. Cause that's actually going to make it worse. It's going to mm-hmm. blow you out. Your hormones were actually, uh, your hormone health is going to decrease and you're going to get go into that exhaustion mode and actually, there goes your growth again, right? And then, like you're saying, for sleep, longevity, for recovery, all those things, um, so huge. So if you don't have a device, uh, I definitely will recommend the Aura Ring because I use it. Um, I've heard really good things about the Whoop Band from mm-hmm. what I from what I have heard about it. But it, it's worth the investment, and it's really, honestly, man, for what these things cost and how long you have them and what they're giving you, it's very, very cheap, guys. Don't I mean, you're looking at 300 bucks, maybe 350. Mm-hmm. But honestly, that's nothing for like, I mean, it's 365 days a year. So just do it that way. It's a little over a dollar a day, you know, just to track these things. Times how many years, like, you know, two years, oh. is 50 cents, you know, it just it keeps adding up. And it's the one of the core things that I, I look at daily. Um, Same here, man. At least every other day, but mostly I'm looking at every morning when I wake up. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So it's your turn, but I'd like to, if you're okay with it, talk about the, you said primal movement. That was another trend that was going to go in. Yeah. Well, you talk about primal movement because you've had more experience with it. Well, yeah. You know, you said something earlier when we were talking about recovery of, of, of playing with some different disciplines and because they all stimulate our system differently. And one of the things that I came across about three years ago that had massive improvements for my body my joints uh, my integrity of my joints and muscles and just how the the whole body works together collectively was I started playing with primal movement so I actually started with something called GMB fitness it's called gold metal bodies and one of the first things that he teaches uh, when you're going through his training process and you can do it online it's not expensive you just go to their website is he takes you through these animal type movements and they're very basic movements and there's only, you really only do three at first. And one of them is like an A-frame or we call it the bear. Second one's the spider. And then we have another one called the frogger. But basically they're, they're movements that a lot of people honestly cannot do. They can't get into the position and then they struggle with flexibility or maybe being able to have good integrity of holding their joints. And 
it's interesting to see all the testimonies testimonials that GMB gets because it changes people's lives. They even talk about how it changes their strength and stuff in the gym where they had plateaus. And the biggest thing that I noticed for me, and you said it earlier, was when you take your body through these movement patterns that it's not used to doing, it stimulates your brain and your peripheral nervous system on another level. And when you're done doing maybe just 10 minutes of this stuff, you almost get this mild high. You can feel it. Like you get up when you're done. I mean, you didn't, you remember we did them when we were at a conference? You, you kicked me Yeah. Like yeah. how did you feel though when you got up after doing some of those movements? I mean, did you feel that, that tuning of your nervous system? Like oh, big time. Well, the other thing that I felt like I felt playful again. Like I yeah. felt, I felt like I was like a kid, you know, and you kind of feel like that. I mean, I've done it in the gym enough now where I don't care if people are wondering what the hell is that guy doing? Uh, you know, walking like a monkey on the floor, you know, or doing the spider crawl and you, you feel playful again. And that the stimulates that curiosity in the brain and, and the, and the fun and then sort of like this bliss state that you, that you can get into when you, when you, when you're being playful. And then you also realize like, wow, I've allowed myself to live this many years, feel relatively good physically, but the fact that I can't move in these kind of patterns that I used to be able to move in just easily when I was a kid, I mean, it kind of bothers me a little bit. Um, it's no wonder why we've got such a deteriorating population as we age because we just give up on so much of these basic movements that, uh, that are like they're primal. They're, they're, they're absolutely embedded into how we can move. Well, you talk about entrainment, right? I mean, for our listeners, think about the limited capacity of movement you have on a daily basis. So whether, say you're on your feet all day and you move around like me, uh, we're just walking, we're bending a little bit, right? Uh, let's say you're, you're not on your feet, you're behind a desk all day or you go to the gym. But let's say you go to the gym and you only go doing, you're doing machines at the gym or let's say you're only doing yoga. You're very limited in the capacity of how your body is moving and in, and in what ranges of motion and how much pressure is putting on joints and proprioceptive input, all that stuff. So when you get into these freestyle movements or primal movement or whatever you want to call it, you're taking your nervous system out of its comfort zone of what you've already entrained and what you've already created neuroplasticity for so all of a sudden when you start to do these different movements and these different capacities the brain is like oh what's this and, it, and it's very stimulating and it may be difficult at first but it's crazy how fast those movements start to get easier and then that translates into how you feel and move on a daily basis and then you're you're lowering injury possible injury right and there's all these things that you're going to get benefits from from just moving in capacities that your body is not normally used to doing. So I challenge our listeners, if you haven't played with some of this stuff, go on YouTube, you can check out GMB Fitness, different things like that. You'd look up freestyle movement, primal movement. There's all kinds of videos of little 10 minute things you can do or whatever to just start playing with your body, move it in these movement mm -hmm. patterns that you're not used to. Yeah, the other cool thing that, that I think came up at one of the conferences, uh, there was a chiropractor talking about cross cross-body movement, which is all this primal, primal movement stuff, which is engaging different centers of the brain, as you, as you were saying. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're in this experience of daily life, everything is linear. You know, imagine yourself walking down a street. You're walking in a linear line. And you turn your body to go across the street. Everything's kind of this perpendicular lines that you're working in. And when you start to use some of these movements, now you're, when you're moving cross-body and you're moving – diagonally and and it, it is different like you said it's different than yoga too because you're, you're really getting into these different animal like animalistic type movements which there's components to that in certain types of yoga and whatnot too uh you know different martial arts have you know some of the different like you know, tiger pose or you know snake or whatever and, and it's encouraging different movements uh and actually to be fair like martial arts is fantastic at doing that um but uh there's something that engages in your brain when you are in these different movement patterns and to get out of this daily perpendicular straight line type, you know, treadmill running, stair climbing type movements, um, you know, bench press one, one dimension movement. Um, you are opening up to something a whole lot more and you're, you're becoming more flexible because you're moving in different ways. And Gru Singh, one of our teachers talks about, you know, you change, 
where you where you orient your head like when you as you change your head into different positions as you change your body in different positions you're changing perspective right you're you're looking from different angles and that's what's happening in the brain you're literally becoming more flexible with your mindset because you are more flexible with how your physical body's uh, operating in space so you'll find as you do this you will become more flexible with the, the way you look at things the way you look at the world and um, you know, one of, one of the things that, that we do talk about in yoga is, you know, you want, if you're stuck on something, you're stuck on like anger towards someone. If you're stuck on um, thinking very linearly in, in certain ways and, and you're, or you're in resistance with your partner, for example, stand on your head, you know, walk like a monkey, you know, do something different. And you'll realize that you, you get out of that typical pattern. And I encourage people to just try it out like you said gmb fitness check out some of the things that you do and you will feel different after you you engage these movements you can realize that we are more of a body computer than we give ourselves credit for we're not just you know meat suits uh you know that we that we all sort of accustom ourselves to so yeah well said man and i would and i would even in addition to say uh even beyond flexibility you're talking about integrity of of your strength man I'll take any CrossFit athlete, gym rat, bodybuilder, and I'll take them through a bodyweight workout, a freestyle movement, and I'll destroy them. Literally. Because if you're not moving in those capacities, you don't have the strength. You don't have the flexibility. And I've taken athletes that come into me and made them do bodyweight type stuff, free movement on the floor, and they can't do it. Mm -hmm. they're, They're massively weak. And once I do that, they're like, Ding. Yeah. <laughs> like the light bulb goes off and they're like, Oh gosh, I need to be doing some other stuff because I'm actually not as strong as I thought I was. Yeah. So well said, man. Cool. So I'll, I'll let you I'll go. Jump I took two. Yeah, I took two. So you go, yeah. man. No, no, that's okay. Uh, this one's, it's a total different change of pace here, but um, I think it's so important. I mean, we just came off new year's and all the celebrations that go along with, you know, these times of years. And, and this one's called sober curiosity. So I'm going to give a bit of a definition for it. So the basic premise is that hangovers hangovers are the worst and alcohol may be keeping you from living your best life. So it used to be that any social occasion or celebration meant alcohol. The 2020 trend is about finding social things to do or ways to celebrate without alcohol, usually in pursuit of greater health and wellness. Um, That's awesome. I mean, what a great goal to have for ourselves because, I mean, as men, uh, like, take a football game, a hockey game, uh, any group gathering where, where men are, there's usually alcohol because we are so basic in our ability to connect with each other without some sort of substance to have a reason to get together. And I know that's not all men. There's a lot of, obviously, you know, we talked about the modern man in different podcasts and whatnot, but this is one of those core tenets that we've all adopted and is that we feel a little bit more, you know, flexible in, in who we are when we've had alcohol and it, it's easier to have an excuse like alcohol to hang out with someone. Or um, So I love that this, this got into one of the trends that I looked at. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Oh, buddy, this is going to be good. So, you know, what's funny as I'm hearing you talk and I've seen this trend coming, it's so, it blows my mind how groups of people gather and we go out and we're like, and I'm not, you know, I'm guilty of this in my 20s. I don't drink anymore like I used to. I probably have maybe three or four drinks a year, maybe. I don't drink that much. But you go to these massive gatherings, like you're saying, whether it's a sports game or a bar or whatever, and you're going to go do something socially. And it's like, hey, let's all go poison ourselves and hang out. Because honestly, <laughs> that's what's happening. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, our listeners are probably like, whatever. No, that is literally what you're doing. Like you're putting poison in your body. There's no form of alcohol for you wine drinkers. You know, you can throw out your resveratrol BS, whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, like you're putting a poison in your system. And the reason you're hung over the next day is because you poisoned yourself. Yeah. And like I said, I'm guilty of this. I did a lot of this <laughs> when I was, you know, when I was in my younger years and stuff. But like, you get to a point, man, where you're just like, it's not worth it. Like, what for? You know, and like a drink every once in a while is fine. But I, I would say to this man, if you're having to use alcohol as a social lubricant, mm-hmm. then you have a mental health problem. Yeah. 
Does that yeah. seem a little too much or would you agree with me? No, I mean, and let's, let's go back to the podcast we did with Tommy. You know, what is an, like, we tie to addiction, you know, addiction to show up as a version of yourself that you like, or you don't remember <laughs> when you're with people that anything that you're doing repetitively is leading to leading to a negative outcome, AKA a hangover and, and a poisoning response uh, is something that, that is called an addiction. So, you know, I think it's just, it's a wake up call. And, and along with this sober curiosity is a movement towards the coolness factor of the recovery world. Like it's, becoming cooler it's it's actually trendier to be uh, talking and and having open conversations about recovery and you know maybe cool is not the right word but it's becoming more acceptable it's actually um it's actually like a a virtue to actually to let people know that hey you know this used to be a part of my story and and i'm i'm in a version of recovery that i understand to be true for me and um so the fact that this is getting out into more dialogue is also really interesting timing because there's so much happening now in the, with the world of marijuana. And that's going to be probably one of the things we talk about. Um, you know, we're sort of trading one thing for another in, in some instances with, with the freedom of, uh, of pot and no, we can't put them in the same category, but um, I think it's, it's a great dialogue to have to, to start to say, you know, when I do hang out with my friends, and do I, why am I using alcohol? Uh, you know, why, why do I think this is important? Do I not like who I am when I'm around people? Do I feel more comfortable? Um, you know, question things a little bit more. And, and I, I still do this. I mean, just like you, I hardly ever drink alcohol. But for whatever reason, there's this urge within you when you get around people because the people that you're around, you associate them with, with having alcohol or having drinks. It's just normal behavior. You go, you know what? I almost feel like having one. And I, and I catch myself, I go like, I didn't feel that 10 minutes before my friends showed up and my family showed up. I didn't actually want anything earlier, but now that they're having some and now that they've asked me, do I want some? <laughs> you know, it's right. funny. And these dialogues come in and, and I realize, should I want some? Like, and, and so you that are listening, we're not judging you. It's totally normal. We're just kind of laughing at the situation that we've got ourselves in with the social acceptability of getting drunk and, and drinking in order to feel comfortable around people and it being socially acceptable. acceptable. And I think it's, it's a worthwhile conversation. Well, and I, you know, identity plays into this a little bit. Like you just said, right? You know, I, I don't want to tell a super long story here, but I do want to touch on this because I have a really good friend of mine who just actually went sober. And I, he wasn't an, an alcoholic per se. You know, he was a soldier. He did a tour in Iraq, uh, saw some nasty stuff, got out of the army. It had its impact on him. You know, very smart guy, went to HBS, uh, ended up working for McKinsey Consulting, global consulting firm, very successful individual, amazing human being. He's, he's literally ridden his motorcycle around the world like three times. Okay. And I had a conversation with him about a month or two ago and he gave up drinking and he had told me like, I haven't had a drink man in like two months. And I'm like, wow, man, that's amazing. Cause like he literally was the guy that the moment he got off work, it was a scotch or it was a whiskey or maybe six whiskeys before bed. Right. Um, and that was his regular. And he was the guy for his company or when he was in school that would take everybody to go out and party and they'd always have a blast with him. Right. Like that was part of his identity. And he saw once he, you know, the way he came to this, believe it or not, since we're going to talk about retreats in a second, he was on one of his round the world trips with his new wife and he had enough time out of his hustle and bustle of his daily life to step back and actually have those thoughts of why do I drink? Like, why is it this regular thing with me? And he realized that there were some positives for him because they did help him get, uh, you know, business wise where he needed to get socially with people. But then he saw the negative impact of it, of how it had aged his body and how it started to tax his health and all these other things. And he realized finally when he was in that space that it wasn't something that needed to be part of his identity anymore. And he said, I don't think I would have come to that realization if I hadn't have been where I was and been away from that hustle and bustle like I'd been in for years. So for, for like Nick saying, we're not talking down. Like I said, I was that guy, but 
you really got to, like Nick is saying, is sit back and sometimes question, why is that a part of my identity? And why am I doing that? Because I think sometimes when you give that critical thinking there, you get to a place where you're like, maybe this isn't something I want to have every single time I go out. And do I have to go out and drink all the time with my friends? Why can't we go do something else? And this is, it's great, man, because there's so many other things you can do than go out and just go get drunk and, and get a buzz going, right? Totally. Well, it's funny because now when I do have a, you know, glass of wine here, there, like I feel the buzz so quickly that like I'm, I'm done after like half a glass of wine and I'm like, that I'm good for the night. That's I'm probably yeah. good for the next two months because it, it, it served a purpose. And, and I don't, I realize I don't like that feeling. I don't like the feeling of like just feeling foggy in my brain and, and you know, do I feel more relaxed? Maybe, but I, I'm pretty sure I felt better before I had that, that drink of wine. So, uh, which is why it's just not a big part of my life. Yeah. So let's, you, let's move on to the next one because it's, it ties into, you know, taking care of, um, yeah, taking care of yourself on, on healthy holidays. So what do you got? So the, yeah, the next one is, is basically this, uh, this, well, what did you call it? Because it was something completely different than the, the how we yeah. speak to it. I, and brother, that's the first time I've seen it named as this. But what Nick's trying to talk about right now is he's going to talk about the importance of retreats. But I was reading the trends on one of these websites because there's a bunch posting these and they call them pain moons. So basically a pain moon that's in there, or a retreat. These are vacations from your life to help you heal mentally, physically, and spiritually. So we just had a podcast about this and we were talking about naturally brave retreats. But Nick, I want you to talk to this because... This is something you guys are very, very devout in, in your beliefs of how important it is. I am now as well, because you helped me experience that for myself last year. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about the importance of taking these pain moons, AKA retreats and, and why it has to be done this way. Well, it's so funny that, that we tie the, the word, like when I think of a moon, I, we did a baby moon, like when, before our first son was born, we did a baby moon and we went to Hawaii, went to Kauai and, and Sonia and I got a chance to just really connect and, and our last trip before, you know, our baby came. So it's funny to hear pain moon because we, t it's just funny how we put those, those words got put together, you know, um, you know, life is so painful that we need uh, a break uh, before we go get back to the pain almost, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just funny that that's how it's being called instead of like, a healthy retreat or, or, you know, retreat, what we call it retreating, like re-engaging, re-igniting, re, you know, getting back in touch with what it means to uh, be uh, um, in, in relationship with self-care. So retreating for us is really, I need to get into a space where I can start to really work on those things that I haven't made time for in my day to day because life is busy. I'm a parent, I'm a doctor, I'm a dad and business owner. Like, you know, we all have our stories, our identities of, of who we are. But when you get to just put that on pause for a moment, when you get to step away and be in a place of curiosity and be in a place of, uh, of loving yourself again, um, we sometimes do have to step out of our, our current reality state and, and immerse ourselves in, into a new environment that allows for healing to just take hold. And it's like going in for, you know, a massage, but you're taking that massage time and you're starting to add, you know, six, seven days on top of that therapy. Can you imagine how blissed out that would be uh, if you could get a seven day massage? <laughs> well, and I would say it is medicinal. Like, I love it, but like, buddy, you know, we, you, you got me to go to men's camp last year and the med, it's so, it's like this potent medicine that is happening around you the whole time you're there because you've immersed yourselves in a different environment outside of your norm. And like, you can't get that clarity spiritually, physically, all that stuff when you're in your hustle and bustle of daily life. You just can't. It's not possible. So I see the importance for sure now of like getting away, going to a wellness retreat, like you're saying, and spending that time on yourself. It's just so needed, man. I mean, because especially look at the hustle and bustle in our day. I mean, what's the biggest thing people are saying that we don't have enough of now or that's such a big commodity? It's time. 
Mm-hmm. And yes, when you retreat, you're having to spend time, but what a great way to invest your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to invest on yourself, I mean, that, that ROI, that return on investment is massive, man. It's massive. Well, well, look, we were just talking about sober curiosity. Like how many people go on a all-inclusive retreat, drink their faces off, come back feeling like they've aged about 10 years and it takes about three, four months just to recover from that trip, whether it be sleep or, you know, getting back to the gym or, you know, whatever the story is. And, you know, we go on vacation typically and we, we come back worse off than, than before we left. And we realize that we're more exhausted than, uh, than you know, before we left. And it's just, it's funny. So again, it, great that the dialogue's coming out. I think the name is completely wacky, but it does make I, sense. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, call it a health holiday. Call it, you know, a wellness vacation. Call it a, a retreat, uh, you know, self-care program, you know, whatever that needs to be. But yeah, the, the investment in time and the, you know, the return on that investment is, beyond words and and it is every time we go on when we've been doing retreats not leading them but going to retreats um personally since 2008 and uh it's been game changers for us so i yeah i can't recommend them enough and you know find your find your groove you know when you when you're looking for one does it check all your boxes do you want to do some detox you want to do yoga do you want to do mindset training do you want to you know, do a Tony Robbins event and like blow your mind and, you know, you know cycle up your energy and a you know, thousand fold and <laughs> higher than what you're used to on a daily basis, you know, whatever that is. But uh, they're, they're, those immersive environments are, are crucial. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Well said. So buddy, I, 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 can I have the last one? Cause we have about 10 minutes and I know we're probably going to use the entire 10 minutes on this one. And you're the perfect person for us to talk to about this. So this is, <laughs> We've been hearing a lot about this. Everyone's been watching Netflix documentaries and I'm getting this whole game changer bit or it was like the forks over knives or all these huge plant-based living, plant-based diet, right? I think that's a big theme this year. I almost think that the the keto and uh, <laughs> carnivore or meat, there's this battle going on right now I'm seeing on okay. social media. It's ridiculous a little bit just to watch it. I think it's kind of comical at this point, Mm -hmm. but let's talk about plant-based living and the importance of maybe implementing something like that in your lifestyle if you haven't. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, let's just get into that, man. Tell me what what are your thoughts. You're kind of, you're putting or putting me in the spotlight here just for a moment because I have been mostly vegetarian for, well, a better part of my life now. Um, going on probably 16, 17 years. So about, almost half my life and and it's not all in the last i guess i don't know three years i've done a little more experimentation bringing some uh animal products back in but i'm not vegan so i'm not uh i'm not a purist vegan um but tell you what i mean there is no right or wrong answer here there's no judgment as to what people should or should not do but i think the theme here is is just become an experimenter starting to you know, understand that there's more to the diet picture than, than what we originally thought. And, and I think it's a nice break. It's like we talk about adaptability and variation. You know, if you haven't gone completely plant focused or, you know, vegetarian based, um, give it a try, have an experience, see what it's, see what it's like, because you will always, 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 always find argument. What's the best diet for and against. And and if you haven't listened to our podcast on that one, definitely check it out. But, uh, the reality is that, is that we're moving in, into a time where food sources are questionable, you know, even in the world of plants. Um, but uh, where, where do you feel your best? You know, how do you individualize your process as specifically as you can? And, you know, you've had some time experience uh, in a vegetarian only world at, at men's camp and whatnot. So um, hearing your perspective on coming from El Paso, maybe the, one of the, Texas, man. I mean, you guys eat. Hey, I'm in the I'm in the beef capital of the world, homie. Like for me, this is like it's it's. There's a lot of contrast here, right? Yeah. Like, and it was neat. You know, I went up to Vancouver with you, and I like I said, you guys have this massive community and supply of really good vegetarian vegan food because of the community and the amount of people that eat that way up there. And that's not that's not a reality where I live. Like, 
I don't think I think we maybe have one, maybe two restaurants in all of El Paso or even this region where I'm where I'm at that, that do just plant based eating. Um but I'm a huge advocate for people trying like you're saying. Like I always tell people, just give up meat for a while. Try mm-hmm. ten days. If you feel good, keep going. Like I've done that multiple times and it feels really good to just like lay off the meat for a while and just yeah. eat a plant based diet for a while. And I like that variation. Do I do it all the time? Like year round? No. You know, but not by any means. I like meat, but I do like laying off the meat every once in a while. And I do feel the cleansing. I do feel some, some needles shifting for my health and things that needed to maybe happen. Um, you know, at men's camp, you and me did a partial fast. We only ate dinner the whole week. And that was another thing that I had never tried of trying a partial fast, which is completely eating veggies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done it similarly but not with the amazing food that we had at men's camp man because the food there is phenomenal oh, it's amazing so so yeah i i do tell everyone if you're gonna do it do some homework before though don't go turn into the, like i'm eating pasta and bread and I'm not really eating any veggies all day because i've seen that as well uh, it is plant-based which means you need to be eating the rainbow and uh getting all your macros that you need from this plant-based diet um but yeah, man, I, I think this is a big trend moving into 2020. It's been a hot topic for a lot of people. I have a lot of patients that are giving up the meat right now, trying to see if it's going to change their cholesterol numbers. There's a lot of, you know, it's it's neat to see a lot of MDs now actually telling their mm-hmm. patients to try to go plant-based right now. But yeah. I want to say that like you're saying, just a second, that is like, there's not one diet like you're saying, and you got to play, experiment. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is, did you do your DNA test yet? I just swabbed it. We were sending it out tomorrow. I mean, that was, that was fascinating to see. So when, when I did my DNA test, because part of the, part of the test shows you sort of like your ideal macronutrient uh, ratios and, you know, maybe where you struggled, you struggle with carbohydrates, are you more insulin insensitive or, you know, what, how is your protein tolerance? How's your caffeine tolerance? I mean, it tells you a ton about just what you're putting into your body. And it was, it was illuminating because it, it, I had a very really capable system from a genetic point of view to, to handle any of the macronutrients. I wasn't carbohydrate sensitive. I could kind of eat whatever I wanted on that front. And that's how I feel when I've implemented my plan with a vegetarian based diet. So for me, it just, it works genetically. It works really, um, subjectively I feel just I feel just the same and then that speaks to the genetics I feel just the same if I was to have a little bit of meat in my diet versus having vegetarian I can't say that there's an, an improvement one way or another with quality of life and it's just because I tend to be really efficient at metabolizing all those different macronutrients where some people might have a massive incapacity to handle fats or a massive incapacity to handle proteins uh, or carbohydrates, or then they're, maybe they really have problems with insulin and, and blood sugar regulation. So, you know, it is a very unique, specific thing. And without doing DNA testing, I mean, the, the best, your best guess there is to look back at your lineage of, uh, of your ancestors and look at maybe that what they used to eat, because all that programming that's been happening over the generations for for your family line is is probably what your body's more tolerable with eating. And, you know, we see this with migration, people of certain cultures eating a certain way and then migrating to North America where they're eating completely different, different, living in a different climate, so much change from what their genetics can tolerate and they're they're not doing well. Oh, yeah. I mean, a good good example of that is a lot of the Asian community that move here from Japan or China, man, they don't do well in America. Like they're just, the genetics just aren't, they're not there, right? So I would tell people, go back and listen to our episode. The episode was DNA Power. Great episode, and it's a one. It's a one-time test, and it's so powerful. I'm getting mine done. Dr. Nick already had his, but man, those panels are amazing. And you don't have to do a full workup; just do the diet panel, you know, and just kind of see. Well, maybe I can shift my eating because that panel is going to tell you where your weaknesses are and maybe the adjustments that you do need to make. And it's just a great way to do it because it's it's your genetics, and you only have to do the test one time. So, yeah, well said, man. That's that's absolutely absolutely right on. Is there is there anything just because you brought up the the movie Game Changers? Have you seen it? 
I have not seen it. I've heard lots about it. I'm going to sit down and eventually watch it, but I think I get the gist, you know, uh, of what they're saying. They're bringing all these athletes saying that you don't have to eat meat. And, and in, in your defense, man, like you really don't like Dr. Nick says, I mean, he's lived a life of he's done the whole meat thing and then he hasn't. And if you see, if you ever seen Dr. Nick, I mean, he has plenty of muscle on his body there. I mean, he does a lot of yoga. He does other things, but like he doesn't have an issue with putting muscle on. Like Mm -hmm. it's not a problem. And he doesn't eat meat that much. So. Yeah, and that's and, it, and like we said, it's it's very unique. And you know, maybe another time we can sort of uh, get into you know what the game because the Game Changers movie, just like Forks Over Knives and Food Matters, have all been pivotal documentaries. I think that have helped to shape uh, our relationship to food. And at the end of the day, I could care less what the agenda is if it's getting people talking about diet. Um, I don't care what part of the the documentary wasn't. 100% accurate or where they were trying to push a bit of a bias that's going to happen with any, any documentary you know I'm sure we're going to see a carnivore documentary come out soon and and it's all amazing information and it's all looking at points that that of reference that you can hang your hat on and at the end of the day you still have to be you and you and if you can find tools that allow you to identify your, your food sensitivities your, your DNA your predispositions and get super specific for you and you can start the you diet, um, which is the diet that's that's right for you. And so, um, yeah, I would, I'm curious because, and we'll have to have a conversation on. We could pick it apart if we wanted to, but at the end of the day, like getting a conversation going on, um, getting specific and unique for ourselves is is always the best way forward. In, in both of our opinions, usually, man, usually. Yeah. So let's leave our listeners with this, man, because I think we're out of time. But so. One thing I need everyone to understand is if you're not in a place with your health where you want to be and you're want, and there's room for improvement and you need to improve, maybe there's healing that needs to be done, or maybe you're just doing just enough, but you're like, I got to do more because if I don't, it, the needle's going to start to move the other direction. The first place it starts is just by creating awareness and educating yourself. And like Dr. Nick is saying, it's not about, don't worry about the bias or whatever the agenda is. Like, just immerse yourself in the information and start to draw your conclusions and just just keep looking. And then the other piece of that is you need to start getting baselines of your health. You don't know where to start without starting to do some form of testing, whether it be as simple as monitoring your blood sugar or getting an aura ring and looking at your sleep. But you got to start somewhere. So so I would say if that's if that's a big thing looking into 2020 for you, those are good places to start with as far as knowing where to go. What would you say, man? Yeah, I love that. I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be extremely simple. You could even just track like what are my number of bowel movements? How's my energy today? And graph that over two or three weeks and, and try to see what some of those other parameters are. But, um, you know, you said it earlier, investing a dollar a day to buy an aura ring, um, it's a complete no brainer and it gives you so much data and we have no affiliate links for Aura ring at this point in time or ring. If you do listen, you know, talk to us. <laughs> well, and that's the beautiful thing about our podcast, right? Is like, okay, everyone, we're not getting paid to tell you about this stuff. These are totally. things that, that we just totally believe in that we use on a daily. So all the stuff we give you guys for those type things, we yeah. use them. Yeah. And that's why we're endorsing them. So yeah. There you go. So I love that. That's some good home play. Uh, track, track yourself. Find a way in 2020 to to look at some of that data. Try out one of those health trends. I I mean I challenge everybody to try that sober curiosity and just you know question yourself when you're going to a work gathering, a party, and uh, ask yourself those questions because you just put some points in your healing bucket. You know if you choose not to, uh, to not to drink, and you increase your resiliency. You realize that you're more adaptable than you give yourself credit for. And you know, 2020 is all about clear vision. You know, seeing seeing with 2020 vision. Can you see yourself more clearly? Can you see the obstacles in your life more clearly? And that's where. You know, if you haven't yet, take a look at the Naturally Brave Retreats. Um, come help us help you uh, see more clearly for 2020 and beyond. And, um, you know, whatever that is for you, find find your thing that, that will level up your health and, and take you to that next place in your journey that you need to go. Amen, brother. Amen. Love you a ton, my man. And I uh, look too, forward man. to the next uh, episode. We're going to have uh, actually our mentor is going to come on in the next couple of weeks. 
We've got some, uh, some really interesting guests, uh, comedian sometime later this month, I believe, which would be fun to have a chat with. And so, um, yeah, you know, check out our social media pages or handles. Let us know who you'd like to see us interview. You know, if, if there's certain topics that you want to hear about, you know, reach out to us on Facebook and we're always available to, uh, to answer and, um, and share wherever we can. So appreciate all of you listening. It's, it's a huge humbling experience to get feedback and to hear from all of you. And, and uh, so we're super grateful. We've had an amazing 2019 and we're looking forward to what comes 2020 and, and our health trend for 2020 is just keep the information. Well said, man. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> yeah, you could have. <laughs> I could try. Thank you all. Yes, very grateful. Happy 2020. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.